Hello and welcome to Write for the Stage podcast. Um, I'm here with Kate Adams. Hello. And uh, Mike Heath, my co-presenter. <laughs> oh, being delegated. <laughs> <laughs> co, I said co, yeah, no, not assistant. Yeah. You can oh, be my assistant presenter if you whatever, like. Whatever, just whatever you like. <laughs> Deputy <laughs> assistant junior co-presenter. <laughs> Inter. Now, on uh, Right for the Stage podcast, we've been talking a lot with... It's the Right for the Stage podcast. The Right for the yes. Stage. Does that matter in terms of the hashtag that you never use? Oh, my, yeah, oh, my, yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, So you're sabotaging me already. I was just mid-flow then. Um, we often we've been talking to playwrights and uh, dramaturgs and mentors about their process, but we've been quite focused on quite formal plays, I suppose you might want to call them, with um, a uh, conventional script and maybe mostly in the world of naturalism. So we thought we would <laughs> offer some contrast. Something a bit different. <laughs> so um, I recently have been to see um, one of Kate's shows, Water is Attracted to Water. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the show itself, Kate? Yeah, sure. Um, so this is a new uh, devised and written performance um, performed by four of us, uh, myself on stage, a... Um, uh, a scientist called Miklas Schultz, um, who is uh, based in Sweden mostly, um, an actress and a musician. So we are coming together on stage and we are trying to tell a 21st century myth of water. So we have a little bit of science, uh, a little bit about molecules, we have a dance, we have some music and we have some storytelling um, and it's quite a nice um, uh, conversational kind of performance in the way that it's set up but um, uh, but it's definitely I mean it's actually scripted um, so although in in one sense it's not like your usual naturalism because we're we're working in persona we're kind of versions of ourselves um, we, um, we we do have a script um, wow. So it, it fits in your uh, your category of scripted. <laughs> Someone had performance. to write it at some. Point. I did actually write the script. Um, there's, there's been, uh, I think I'm on the sixth version of it now. If we're talking about process, but it came out of a devised process. Yeah. So we use a lot of improvisation, um, um, and um, I, I suppose. Do you want to go right into the process now? Yeah, I think that would be useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm particularly thinking of because it's quite, you know, you're not working with a group of highly trained actors. So no. I'm interested well in that process of working outside of yeah. the profession in the way that you would normally. Yeah, absolutely. So I have one highly trained actress. And, um, and Is that you? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I describe myself as an untrained performer, um, okay. but I have got a little bit of experience mm-hmm. behind me. Um, so, um, yeah, so um, it's been really interesting, actually, because Miklas is a uh, water resources and climate change scientist, and he had never performed in theatre in his life. So from his point of view, it was totally new. It was um, something completely out of his comfort zone. Um, but uh, he's, he's a really interesting guy, and he's got this kind of directness and openness and willingness to try anything. Um, so we had a really good process with him. 
Um, but if I I can break the process down into some phases, I suppose, yeah, if that's right. helpful yeah, that to really give helpful. you an idea. Um, so I uh, there's an initial, an initial phase, because there's an awful lot of research for this project, because it is about human relationship with water, so there was an initial phase where I was... I was doing absolutely loads of research. Um, so like hardcore scientific research? Hardcore scientific research, climate change research, um, uh, biographies of water. And like all the water books, water poetry, um, like watching stuff about water. Um, really opening up my kind of ways of thinking to, to engage with myth, to engage with history um, and science. And I love science. So I was, um, before I'd even met Mitklas, I had already started kind of looking, particularly at kind of molecular science. I was really interested in um, uh, quantum physics and the um, kind of uh, molecular science of water, which never got into the show because it was too complicated. But is that where the title from? Water is attracted to water. Is that yeah. a molecular level? So attraction? that is absolutely, absolutely. You've got it. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so water is in fact attracted to water because it is. Um, it, it has positive and negative, and the positive is attracted to the negative. It's mm. like real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like me and Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually um, repelled rather than attracted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I liked the idea, and the title came at the very beginning, and I, I really like the idea that water molecules are, are, are attracted to water molecules, and that's why water is liquid at the temperature that we um, uh, exist in on Earth. But I really like the idea that we are made up of water, largely, and we have this kind of love of water we have this attraction to water mm. we want to be by the sea we want to be by we not just because you know for, for health reasons we need to drink it but we have this connection with water and also the idea that we have this sense of being kind of connected and attracted to each other as well as kind of like human sacks of watery flesh that are, are connected with with bonds of some more than you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh she's rude <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so that you have like that human connection yeah. as well um and how we we we're drawn to each other and that we can create something that is a good kind of relationship so i really wanted to get these people together on stage and work out what their voices were and bring those things together so I had my initial research phase um, and um, got uh, initially Tom the musician and Alexia um, the performer uh, involved um, and, and the choreographer and assistant director from Greece as well Medi Mega um, and were those um, existing relationships with Tom and Alexia, or were, were well, those Tom's, people? Yeah, Tom's actually my stepbrother, oh, right. um, right. which is uh, <laughs> convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't work with him because he's my stepbrother. Mm. But he is—he's—he's he's a really good musician, and I know his work obviously, and I've known him for years, and I know that we can work yeah. together. Um, Alexia Baziki, um, she was someone that I'd worked with on uh, a project. Um, with Mehdi as well we'd worked together last year on a project in Greece and so Alexia and I performed together and I knew that we had a really good kind of um, improvisational relationship and that we can kind of bounce off each other really well um, because the, the kind of earlier stage of this and she's an actress she's an actress yeah, right. yeah so the earlier stage of this was really opening up improvisation and um, so we we had a period of time the phase where we work through improvisation, uh, improvisation without expectation. 
Oh. Which, yeah. Because I would imagine yeah, improvisation, I, I mean, I've, I have been trained as an actor at one point mm. in my life, and I always have a real Hence block around <laughs> improvisation. But as a professor of science, climate, professor mm. of, mm. I, don't, I don't know quite what my class is professor of, but I'm assuming it's something to do with science and climate change. Yeah. yeah. And, and the musician coming at just someone saying, right, well, here we go, make stuff up, off you go, would be quite terrifying. Or were they just naturals and took to it? Um, well, the way that we did it was um, Mehdi and Alexia and I got together initially in order to um, set up and generate improvisational frameworks that we could then use as a basis oh, for improvisation right. with the others. Yeah. Because um, we rules knew... And also, yeah, rules of the game. And also there were certain things that we knew that, for example, Alexia and I would be working a lot through physical improvisation, um, but Tom and Miklas... Um, we played physical improvisation games with them, but we didn't do so much of the more meditatory kind of um, slow developing physical improvisation mm. um, with them. That so so it was really about setting up some really really um, tightly framed verbal improvisations, which is why there's this kind of sense of repetition of forms in the show so one of the frames is that you ask a question and then the improvisation is giving as many different answers as possible to the question um anyone can give any anyone can give an answer at any time um could give us an example so the example that you saw in the show um the question was um where is the story of water set and Mm. then the story of water is set in my big toe the story of water is set in um, the melting glaciers and the um, North Pole. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's it's very, um, it becomes like a repetitive game and it was kind of a little bit competitive and playful and all of that kind of stuff and also moving through the space. So we create something really tightly framed as a way of generating material and we use the repetition, um, kind of the repetitious form for lots of different questions, even to the point, I am an obsessive improviser. I... Um, I will improvise within a framework rather than have a conversation. So, for example, um, it would be going too far. We had a uh, we, we had one. What what do we think would be going too far in this performance? And then, <laughs> That's asking <laughs> a good question. Isn't it? Then, it would be going too far too. Um, <laughs> um, take a pee on the stage. Um, right. Yes, yeah, that, yes, yeah. it would. We agreed that that would indeed be going too far. <laughs> um, but instead of having conversations where we talk about what we want for something, we'll play a game. But like someone does spit water at you. Oh yeah, yeah. At one point, so yeah. that must have come out of where the boundary is. No, that no? just I just um, that was because in a really early improvisation, um, we we had water pistols um, because I like I, I just, you know I like to play around. Mm. And Alexia made a joke at some point as if she was going to spit on me but didn't. And I just wrote it into the script because I just thought, coward. <laughs> um, and so that, that went in. And, and then I tip water on her later and I tip water on Miklas as well. So everyone gets, apart from Tom, Tom doesn't get watered because he has an electric guitar. Yes. <laughs> Good reason not to. Yeah. So, so yes, so we have this kind of really extended stage of improvisation. Um, so is that kind of like John Wright type um, games, you know, where you have, like where you, set up, where you set up a rule and then you just find out where that takes you and then when it's got as ridiculous as you can, that's where you, that's the, what you keep. 
Is that the kind of... Um, it varies. I mean, it, some of it was about generating material, but always with the assumption we don't have to use anything. Mm. But some of it was also really open. And um, so, and we use a lot, because Mehdi is a choreographer, and so in a lot of ways, because most of the work I've done with her has been dance work, our improvisational processes are probably more like a cross between the way you'd approach dance um, process and forced entertainment's kind of um, approaches mm. to improvisation. And, and a lot of, we did do some kind of really open stuff that was terrifying. Um, and because we don't have, we're not working in dramatic fiction and we don't have characters with conflict and a situation that we can then improvise around, we, did, we, we responded, we kind of go in with two words and we just have to do something. In front of an audience? No, no. Oh, right, right, like just, just process, part of the process. process right, yeah, work yeah. and just so, you know, okay, let's do something about the flood. Um, and then we go in and we literally, like the, the main scene with the flood came out pretty much as it was. Um, in improvisation. Just to rewind a little, you were talking yeah. about, for people who don't know, mm. who are forced entertainment and what's the method that you're talking about? Um, forced entertainment is a um, uh, theatre company um, that have been working for many, many years in the UK, um, experimental theatre company, and their work is um, varied, but they also use a lot of um, repetitive kind of forms in their work, and they also integrate improvisation or um, uh, previously improvised material into their performances and so I haven't been in I haven't seen their process I can't tell you exactly what their process is but I know that they use really um, long periods of improvisation over the course of a day so in the same way that we we would be like you know we'd be in we had a re re the first residency was in Ark in Stockton which was lovely and um and we literally are in and we are improvising for most of the day. We don't do that thing where people devise work and they sit around having conversations about what the work's going to be like. Sim we simply don't have those conversations. Just do it. Get we in just the room keep, and start. Yeah, we just keep... We do a warm-up and we... Um, and sometimes I'll say other people can bring tasks. Sometimes I'll set tasks and we just improvise and... and do you record it or do you yeah. film it? So I film everything. Right. So I've got a, a, a huge... Um, kind of collection of documentation of, of crap improvisations mm. and good improvisations <laughs> and um, yeah um, really because obviously I don't really want to think while I'm doing it I don't think at all about whether it's useful yeah because um, that's the, that's the just, uh, you know, block isn't it that, yeah. that stops you from so, discovering doesn't have, it yeah we've had some appalling appalling stuff there's so many moments because you have to then watch it back as well don't you and then you look at yourself and you just think oh you god <laughs> you can say it we're adults we're allowed to say yeah. it we're allowed to say it what were you thinking um, yeah but um, yeah and so that first that 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 phase of improvisation we had the the, the time when we were working with me, Alexia and Mehdi, then we brought Tom in and so the first residency was without Mick Class. Um, and was that last, like a week, two that weeks? That was a week, yeah. Week. And it's like six, seven, eight hours a day? Yeah. Um, so. Um, and did you do it as a block? Yeah. 
Wow, really so, exhausted. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. We were, and we were living together as well. Oh, wow. Goodness, that's so intense. That was quite intense. It was really nice. I was, it was such a nice week that week. Absolutely lovely. Exhausting, but absolutely lovely. And we, we generated loads of really good material in that week. Did you find yourselves generating stuff even when you weren't officially working? Um, no. No. So you, you... I do sometimes at night in my brain when I should be sleeping. Oh, well, that's... I have, I have terrible... Um, problems shutting off yeah. but we I, I was really because we were working really long hours I was quite when we went back to where we were staying like we took it in turns to cook and we would just have a glass of wine eat some dinner mm. um, Alexia was also she had another project as well she was trying to learn lines for another show in Greece um, so we were trying to have a little bit of downtime yeah. in the evenings so that when we go back in the day we're not completely insane um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and, and then we brought Miklas in in the second residency which was in Greece and introduced him to some of those forms and Miklas was the scientist he's the scientist yeah, yeah. and um, and he really he really enjoyed it um, and so he he wasn't involved in so many of the open improvisations. We tended to work with him with some of the more um, framed improvisations and also some writing tasks. And we've all done writing tasks and drawing tasks and movement tasks and, and so on. So just to rewind you, between the first and second residency, <coughs> what happened between those two? So you've gone away, you've done your first residency, you've had this wonderful creative time. Yeah. You've got 50, 60 hours or whatever it is of footage yeah. of all the stuff you've done. Weird. What, what's next for you when you walk away from that? Okay, so after that, um, we, I mean, five days, we didn't have six, we didn't work 60 hours of improvising in five days. <laughs> <laughs> We're not totally crazy, but yeah, we had a lot of uh, material. So I actually went through all of that um, and got it all organised um, with a list that says basically what's in everything so everyone can access everything and everyone can see everything if they need to. So you kind of index Vimeo. The So I index all the documentation, stick it up on Vimeo, give everyone the, um, the password. So anyone can look at that from the group that needs to if we need to refer back to it. Um, particularly for Tom, um, who was writing the music, that period we needed to work quite a bit on um, developing... Um, various musical threads that come out in the improvisations and deciding there were a couple of things we wanted to say, okay, there was one scene that we knew we were going to use and so we wanted to go back and um, set the music a bit for that. And then we also needed to have an idea of what the music would be like for the molecule dance so that when we came back to um, work with um, everyone together, on developing the molecule dance we had a rough idea of how that was going to sound so we had something to dance to yes and um, so there was some musical <coughs> development there was some um developmental work with me and Mehdi looking back at the different improvisations around movement and making some decisions about where we wanted to go with that um there were a couple of decisions that i wanted to make about certain things we had done that i definitely want i i, I look back at it and i was like okay we're definitely using mm. that that we need to look at decisions about how what areas we were missing kind of material that we need so thematic areas for example where we just need to do more open improvisation or um uh areas where i think okay these are interesting things but i have no idea how we can connect them so then mm. planning things like um working out from 
uh, a particular moment in an improvisation we've done in different directions to find out if we can find connections with other um, mm-hmm. other bits and pieces mm. that we've done. Um, and in the second residency, there was only one there was only one scene that we um, went back to and repeated, um, and part of that to show Miklas something that would definitely be in the show, so that he had an idea of. And it was that kind of scripted, or uh, at that By stage, that or point, it was semi-scripted. It was like I would say, like when I'm scripting, I am scripting to facilitate decision making in the rehearsal room. I'm not working in the rehearsal room to facilitate setting a script. So I see the scripting process as being something that's about facilitating what we actually do. So it's a framing um, process more than a. It's it, it's. It's totally detailed and totally obsessive in the same way you would be if you're writing a script in any other situation. Mm. It's just I would never, ever want to publish it. Okay. Well, you could probably so say the same for any first draft of something, couldn't you? That's the... No, I mean it, the final draft. I oh, okay. Right. Yeah, it, I wouldn't see it in itself as being the thing, a thing that was interested in publishing. Maybe I'll change my mind, I don't mm. know. But I really see the scripting process as being because so much of the work is about the movement work is about and because we're not playing characters, yeah. what's the point of publishing a script that has, you know, Kate arguing with Alexia? No one's no one can play I mean they can, but the whole point is that So it's more about the performance, isn't you know? it? It's yeah. about capturing that performance yeah. on, on the page and maybe that's yeah. not always um, possible, is it? Just to remind you again, because yeah. we're gonna dig into the, the methodolo- methodological okay. part of it. Okay. When you've got your video bank, yeah. um, you talk very clearly about your process yeah. of we're gonna use this, we're not gonna use that, there's some connections there, that's interesting. Mm. What where is the filter coming from from that? How am I making those decisions? Yeah, well, how, what's, where is, is that something that's emerged in your mind as you've been creating it in the room? Or is that very a reflective process afterwards when you're watching it and then you start to put, have that sense of what is and isn't right? Both, both. Like the, the, the scene that I've referred to previously, the flood scene, um, is, is the kind of the, the fear and sadness scene in mm-hmm. the show. Um, and that came out in the first residency and it was a moment where Mikla, uh, sorry, um, Alexia and Tom and I uh, without any prior discussion I just, I just stood up and I started speaking we just said theme of the flood and I started saying if you were to draw a flood Maybe it would take 40 days and 40 nights to put in all the detail. And then this idea of the drawing of a flood um, developed between me and Alexia and it built up into quite an intense um, emotional scene. And, and Tom instinctively just brought in this really um, kind of beautiful string scraping on the electric guitar that felt really kind of raw and and um and then weaving in these just little chords on each of the things that I mentioned that would disappear and it became this and as soon as the scene ended and we we finished the improvisation and we all just looked at each other and we were like that worked (laughs) (laughs) yeah wow okay there we are, mm-hmm. and so we knew that was in. Mm. We just—it mm. was just—I, I, from it, it just 
was so obviously part of the show. Um, but then there are a lot of things where you just have no idea. And um, I would say the main part of putting things together structurally and editing came after the second residency. I tried to keep it quite open in the second residency to try new material and generate new material. Um, and and like to build exactly what you said, a bank of material. So the, the two residencies at that stage, it was building a bank of material that I could then go through... And I, in order to put that together, there were certain things I knew for sure would go in, and then there were certain things that I was like, mm, I don't know. Mm. Um, and I, um, may I, I got a set of um, like uh, you know those indexing cards that you get, mm-hmm. and I put just I gave each each improvisation that I thought might be interesting. Or each scene or each moment I thought might be interesting, I gave it a name and a brief description, and then I spread them all out over my floor. Um, and I tried different shapes and different structures, so I set myself little tasks. Okay, so what happens if we start with this? And then I'd arrange them and see what happened. Mm. And then I'd go, okay, <laughs> what happens if we are going to end the show with that? Yeah. And I'd work it back. Mm. And I just... I tried about five different structures just to see how different connections and transitions could be made between different ideas. Um, and I mapped it out um, and I photographed all of that. And I also made like little obsessive tables with, with notes about how the transitions could work. So I was kind of mentally, as I was creating these different possible structures, finding every... The rule was that everything had to be possible in terms of a believable transition in thinking to go from one scene to another. I had to be able to find a proper transition to yeah. be able to do it. Um, and then once I'd got a few of those and a few different possibilities, I, I then kind of did some kind of analysis. So it's really kind of mm. dramaturgical analysis mm. and really focused work over um, a, a, a crazy period of a few days, like with just stuff all over my floor for ages. <laughs> But that's um, well, as you're describing that. I mean, I'm writing a piece at the moment, mm. and one of the things I do is write every possible scene that mm. I can think of between the characters that I've invented, yeah. and then organise those into acts, and then think about the relationship between each of those scenes across mm. the acts, and then try different versions, mm. and then take out, yeah. you know, filter a lot out because I'm clear those aren't part of it. There's some that I know absolutely are, and there's some that might be, and I kind of need to write them. And then sort of at the end, sometimes you write a scene, you finish it and you just think, oh, that's rubbish, why have I even written it? And you get rid of it. So it sounds like there's quite a lot of parallels. Yeah. I, I don't have as much filtering out, right. I think, um, because I think the filtering out has happened because of the improvisation phase. The filtering out happens between that and the point. So I, d- I, I wrote it after I'd done like mad dramaturgical things and looked at the possible connections and then I go through and I take and obviously some of the improvisations I could just take what we did in the improvisation and work it in as it was but a lot of it then like there was a lot of stuff where I I reorganized um or wrote new bits based on what we'd done or combined combinations the opening of the play is almost word for word something that Alexia just just came out in improvisation but then there were other scenes that I've actually had to write totally from scratch that that the one in the rehearsal room. Okay. Room. Not many, but some of the. Some was that of the just? Ones. Was that because 
Because you couldn't find that transition between that scene and that scene, or no, um, just because it was you had something you wanted to say. Yeah, and it wasn't. yeah. It was um, some of the uh, some of the science stuff that I was saying. Um, in terms of when we were in improvisation, because it was a little bit more um, solo in a way. Like I, I speak for quite a, a, an extended period. Um, and there, there was certain, and it needed to be very concise, and it needed to be very accurate in terms of the science. Um, and so improvisation just wasn't the best way of generating that material. Okay. So it's about making decisions when improvisation is the best way and mm. when writing is the best way. That's interesting. Um, Mick Class, his bits of text that he speaks to the audience, I, I gave him specific writing tasks, um, and then I... How, what, so how can you just explain what you, how you phrase those? So was it something like, yeah, explain how this happens and then he um, writes something? I, so the first one, I, I think, what did I say to the first one? Um, I asked him to um, write a paragraph about, um, I, I don't know, four or five childhood experiments that he used to do um, with water when he was a kid mm-hmm. and um, interestingly without me asking him to he connected each one to his current research and mm-hmm. it was, that, was, that was beautiful I was like oh that's, that's... And, and so so he self narrativized really he yeah, found yeah. the connections yeah, yeah. The, and made it into a, a mm-hmm. flow yeah and they needed um, so, like we then I, I asked him to do some other writing tasks later, which were a little bit more extended, so I asked him to write in more detail about the duckweed experiment and how that linked to his recent work on duckweed. And I asked him to write something in more detail about the climate change work that he's doing now. Um, and then I took all the bits he'd written and I, I then edited and tried to keep the sense of the tone of his voice and how he speaks so that everything he was saying would feel like it was how he would talk and what he would say but obviously kind of editing it down and and making it work within the kind of dynamics and the rhythm of the scenes um so yeah so that again was it was a very different process from the more improvisational stuff that we did so Miklas wasn't in the um, first um the first, Not the first residency. so how was the did 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 the, did it change the dynamic in the room when he did yeah. join? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and was it was that something that was useful, or was it? It was challenging. <laughs> <laughs> You've got your least experienced performer coming in last. Yeah. Well, we needed to actually. I mean, because it was about a process of generating material. Um, a lot of the material that was group material. Um, it was he didn't need to be there for that and to be totally frank he really is a world leading scientist working on water resources and climate change and i am not interested in wasting his time right. you know so i don't want him sitting in a rehearsal room while alexia and i are doing some physical improvisations um that he's not a part of mm. so i was trying to be quite um careful in ensuring that when he came to rehearsal we really it was when we really needed him um it 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 was really it was really good fun it was really bizarre for him it was really interesting for us um because all of the rules in theatre that we take for granted 
and that we kind of just know are true um, about how the hierarchy works, who speaks when, what we do. How... He didn't know any of it. Mm. And, and he had no experience of theatre at all. And so, you know, um, sometimes, you know, he would say things that just seemed completely insane to us. <laughs> and, and sometimes he would look at us as if we were completely insane. Um, but, um, yeah, and I think... Uh, but his character, his, his personality as a, as, a per, as a person, he's extremely direct. Um, and so he will say exactly what he's thinking mm. about something. Um, so on one occasion he said something like, Kate, I think you're very dominant. Um, I think you should let the others speak more. And Alexia said, well, actually, Mick Plus, there's a hierarchy in the theatre, and she's the director. <laughs> it's quite an interesting observation, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just the... Um, but, um, yeah, and, and he's also used to being in charge because mm. he, you know, he's leading these huge um, EU-funded um, projects. Um, and he, but he was just amazing. He was just amazing. And he just... You know, he got used to the fact that I didn't want to have conversations. That was really hard at first because actually in theatre, I'm, I'm aware that for other theatre makers, sometimes that can be disorientating. The idea, I mean, my, my students are completely like flabbergasted at the idea that we would just be rehearsing, we, sorry, we would just be improvising for six of the hours of a day and that we wouldn't be doing the thing where you sit and talk about what the performance might be um, mm. that I just don't work like that right. um, and so he found it a bit weird that we weren't having lots of conversations at first um, but he kind of just got got into it and got used to it and um, and he was just willing to try things um, so did you um, know that that would be the case when you when you'd hooked up with him did you know that he would be um, a good cont- contributor to that process because it's or, a big risk in that sense. Yeah, because like, like scientific brain is really different to a, 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 a you know the, the kind of improvisational creative brain, isn't it? I would have thought. I don't know. You know, I mm, I I thought I was. My instinct was that it was going to work, um, but that's partly because I have quite a scientific brain, right. and so I'm 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 a kind of both ways kind of person. So when I when I went to school, I did. My A-levels were English, maths, chemistry, and AS further maths. Wow, just a little extra one. (laughs) (laughs) Your face. (laughs) (laughs) Who is this speaking from (laughs) today? That's a very strange brain. (laughs) In a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I I like working with science. And so there's a connection with Class in that, like, we both have um, very, we have, you know, in terms of organisational brains and the science side of it, um, it didn't really worry me that I would be working with someone who has a science brain because I can connect to that. Yeah. Mm. Um, but just an unknown surprise, quantity coming into yeah, the room. Yeah. It was, what was a pleasant surprise was, was how open he was to um, trying whatever we asked him to try. And Because you know, some people might not have been. Yeah, no, they might have just frozen or yeah. found yeah. it too difficult. Like what you asked me to do kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, um, no, he was just... Oh, so we were really lucky with that because, no, we didn't know that in advance. Because how can you? <laughs> so you didn't even... Right, yeah. no. So... so I'd, I'd only met that him That was a big time. risk, wasn't it, really? Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, so you've not even been in the same room? We've never so. been in the same room wow. until we got in... Why did he agree to do it? Why did he agree to do it? I don't know. I think he's crazy. No, I, I think um, 
for Miklas, I mean, what he said about it, there's one thing is that he wanted to do something different that was fun, that he'd never done before mm -hmm. on a personal level. Um, but professionally, it's a, a way of reaching a different audience with um, his scientific research. And I think because he's working, like his current research, which he talks about in the show, is um, it's engineering based and it's looking at how to... Um, how to manage wetland systems um, and the reason that's important is that as um, when wetland systems like peatlands and swamps etc degrade uh, that causes um, greenhouse gas emissions methane emissions particularly and so it's one of the things contributing to the kind of feedback loops that we're worried about in terms of climate change mm -hmm. so his current research is is modelling different scenarios um, and looking at how to manage uh, those systems in a way that means that that um, degradation doesn't happen um, in the same way and that the greenhouse emissions are reduced. So it's hugely important work, but it's the kind of work when someone says to you, managing wetland systems, you think, <laughs> what? That's what a show about it. Come and join us in the rehearsal room. Absolutely. But I'd read one of his journal articles specifically on uh, um, greenhouse gas emissions and, and carbon storage, actually, carbon storage in wetland systems. Um, and so I knew that there was a kind of connection there that was really interesting. And he agreed straight away. As soon as I contacted him, um, we had a Skype. He agreed straight away. Right. Wow. Um, and you'd have to get him on here to tell you <laughs> why he made that crazy. I thought choice. he might have said. I thought he might have no. said. <laughs> but it's yeah. I mean, it's it's about it's about the the who accesses that research yeah. and getting it out um, more broadly and, and you know. And so thinking about you as the writer. Yeah. So when you're, um, and you've talked about how you shaped and found, uh, you know, someone else's voice and edited mm. down and, and then you've got to bring that back into the room. Yeah. Was there any um, tensions around that <laughs> and people oh, taking so different funny. views, even though they know the hierarchy of you as writer-director? Well, the hierarchy of me as writer-director is, is a very loose one because... Yes, it has to fit with the vision of what the piece is trying to do, but also what I want to do is actually really genuinely have those people's voices in the work. Mm -hmm. And so there's a tension there in terms of what I'm doing as well. Um, with Miklas, um, it was always that he wanted to say more than can fit in the scene. Mm -hmm. um, and so we kept having to say, no, you can't say any more about this. I'm really sorry, but like, mm -hmm. um, we're going to have to, or, and we're going to have to keep it the way that we've written it because otherwise the rhythm of the scene goes um and he you know he always wants to say more he's a very talkative person he's very <laughs> excited by the research and he always wants to tell the audience more than there's time for um did you have to, so, ever have to push it wasn't the yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a point of pressure <laughs> at all um uh with alexia we worked together really well i think on some of that and that was the most there were some really difficult bits to do in that we had to have an argument and it took us ages to do the argument, you know, because we wanted it to be something that felt real, but we couldn't really find our way into, um, into something that felt like it was kind of 
properly releasing all the stuff that that needed to be released mm. um, and I think we were kind of holding back for quite a long time and then we had this discussion in the pub me and Tom and Alex here about taking the boat to Jersey when we tour the show next year um, and that kind of turned into a little bit of a kind of uh, climate change debate and so we took some of the material from that and turned it into the argument and so the argument actually ended up being based on something that was partially real you've got um, the, the kind of Coldplay <coughs> irony haven't you yeah with so, the, we're giving up touring now because how could you yeah. tour an ecological message mm. yeah absolutely um, but I just really tried I mean Alexia and I like we would sit down together and we would go line by line and we talk and we talked through who looked most like the climate change bastard and, <laughs> and we were trying to get it so we were equally bastardy and so that it was an equal level of hypocrisy and she'd be like no no I'm, I'm sure like no, I look like more of a bastard than you. I'd be like, no, I look like... And then I would go to Mehdi. Okay, Mehdi, who looks more, more like a bastard? <laughs> um, and so we're trying to get that balance where we're, we're staging our own um, discomfort with our position in relation to climate change, yeah. um, but without one person getting the blame. Um, not because either of us cared in a personal way about it, but because of the, the, the dramaturgy of the mm. piece. Um, but uh, that was that was kind of interesting, like working together on setting up line by line an argument that is actually based on an argument you've had, um, and doing it in a way that's kind of not, um, you know, that, that's nice and caring and all that kind of stuff. And when did the did the script then emerge from the second after your second residency? Yeah. Is that where you felt like I've got a script? But I had to, from the second residency, that's when I, I did all of my mad dramaturgy on the floor. After that, then I wrote it, yep. um, sent it to the others. Um, they gave me some feedback, rewrote it. Um, and then the third bit of work we did, um, yeah, the third, third little chunk of work we did, I then rewrote it again, um, then the next bit, rewrote it again. So it was the fifth version by the time we came to the work in progress and and I just kept just kept re reworking. But I did, I wrote it. So are you tightening it up or are you allowing it to you just restructure so you're moving things about? Um yeah, moving things around, um uh opening things up, closing things down, taking things out, putting things in. Mm. Like I'm quite um I'm quite brutal with my own like material, yeah. I'm not. I'm not shy just to go. I'll oh, just cut that. <laughs> and is that because it doesn't just doesn't work, or it doesn't fit? It doesn't work in the kind of three dimensional theatre space, yeah. or because it just didn't work for the like theme thematic. It's usually it. about rhythm. It's usually about um, the shape of the whole thing and the balance of the whole thing. Um, like once we um, got to the point where in September we had a few days, all of us together. And we were, and and we ran the whole thing as it currently was at that time, and you know, and I watched it back, and the whole the, the about the the last third of it, I was just like, oh god, this is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a re that, that's really important so, though, isn't it, yeah. to to have to um, be. That, and I that. just yeah, I 
I rewrote stuff, I cut right. stuff, I changed the order of it, I you know, did loads and loads of stuff at that point because you, when you see it on text, you think, oh, that's quite pretty, isn't it? And then you do it and you think, no, it just goes on for ages. <laughs> <coughs> and so that led into the sharing where you showed it as a work in progress at the University of Salford? Yeah, um, and that was great and really, um, really helpful. And I kind of feel like it was, it was quite well progressed by that point. It was like a work in well progressed. Yes. Um, and so I was really happy with it and I had really great feedback like for me that, that moment where you share it for the first time and you get feedback from like a proper audience for the first time is, is just so important because Was that feedback know, verbal or was it written or how both. did you both? So um, we had a um, verbal feedback and questions um, and what I actually did was I wrote a I wrote a questionnaire that was very open in the questions, so none of this no, nothing quantitative. Um, so I asked people about um, something about water, um, how they um, what they wanted to tell us about the show, what they um, how they felt about science and um, their experience of hearing about Mickhouse's research, um, and so I asked them to fill that out while they went to get a beer, come back, then do a verbal chat, and then I gave them on the back of the thing a place where I asked them to write about, write, you know, notes or bullet points, which bits of verbal feedback they agreed with and disagreed with, so that, because quite often when you get verbal feedback, you'll have one person says one thing, and you're like, well, is that just that one person? Or is that something that is, you know, that is more widespread that people didn't understand or that wasn't clear? Where did you get that idea from um, in terms of that approach to feedback? In my brain. Oh, right. So that's... that's Because that's... It's a creative person. No, absolutely. But... With a science brain. I'm not sure whether that was... That's a good idea. I'll do that. Oh, okay. And did it work? Did you feel that that... Partially, yeah. Yeah. Though I got... Yeah, I got quite a lot. Um, not everyone wanted to then add more material yeah. because yeah. people, some people had finished their beers by that time. <laughs> um, but I, I got a lot of really good feedback, right. really useful um, feedback, to be honest. Um, and how, how do you then structure, when you've got that, that, gone through that process, how do you structure collating the feedback and then how's that now going to affect your writing and approach to the show? Um, so, um, a big table... I was going to say, I knew there'd be a table. <laughs> it's going to be a spreadsheet. Or a floor. <laughs> a table. Um, uh, with, weighting you know, analysis. Just, just looking and so that I can look down the different questions. And um, one of the things that I'm really interested in is, is whether the scientific stuff is clear, whether it is um, understandable, whether it is enjoyable. Um, and so the feedback on that... To be honest, the feedback was really good. And so I was actually very happy that I don't think we need to change a lot about the way that we're communicating the scientific stuff and how that's integrated in and how that that kind of functions. Um, in terms of the, the stuff about the performance, there were obviously there were different people have different views and they're kind of in contradiction. And, and when it's like that, you just kind of go, oh, it's probably fine. Um, there were, however, a couple of things that came up a few times where you kind of go, and, and also you just know as well. Yeah. And, you know, so there were a few things where I thought, okay, 
So, for example, Niklas draws a graph at the beginning of the piece, but he shouldn't draw as much of the graph because people are wondering what the hell is that graph and no one talks about it till the end of the piece. And so it's distracting. So it's distracting. So that was something. And there was, and and I know from the verbal feedback and and also from asking um, a few other people, including you, Stephen, as well, um, about... (laughs) Hush, my pretty man. That I know that because I'm trying to weave into my bizarre post-dramatic kind of uh, structured, repetitious, textual, whatever, a little bit of dramatic narrative <laughs> underneath. Um, and so one of the big questions for me was, does that come together clearly enough? And I was pretty sure it didn't, but I really knew it didn't once I'd actually done it. And so yeah. there I know that I have to change some things at the end. So it's the idea of just like the plant and the payoff. It's not pay- those things aren't paying off, so you have to readdress them. Is, is that yeah, I basically there, there's a bit where um, there's just a, there's a bit that at the moment is a tiny fragment, and it needs to be developed into like a bigger chunk of a scene so that it gets more emphasis, mm. and so that you kind of see that there's been a journey for the whatever we are, persona, character type figures on stage, because um, obviously we're, we're playing ourselves, but we're very much playing, we're playing versions of ourselves within the framework of a kind of, um, it's a non-fictional present that we're in, and we are non-fictional figures on stage, However, we have a frame of an imaginary set of relations and community connections that doesn't exist. So we have this idea that we are um, that we celebrate water together, and so the way that relationships work is a little bit more heightened, which yeah. is why. So why, what do you mean when you say persona? So, so it's persona a is like of a, yeah, it's like a heightened, um, a heightened version of the self and also slightly heightened version of the relationships that we have. Um, and self-consciously so, public. It's what you, yeah. you are prepared to share as that version of yourself to an absolutely. audience. Absolutely. And I think there are differences as well in how we do that between the, and, and between the performers. So um, I think my stage persona is a little bit less acted than Alexia's was for example because she's a trained actress and I tend to be more along the um, you know performance side of things the performance art kind of post-dramatic kind of end of performance Um, and so I think that she creates um, slightly more distance from herself Mm -hmm. in the way that she plays herself on stage it's a tiny bit more theatrical than mine is Um, Mick class, I'm just like, don't act, just say the things because you need to say them to the audience. And he does that, I think, yep. really well. Um, and Tom is a musician, so he has a kind of way of being on stage as a musician. Um, and one of the things we're working on as we go forward is, is thinking about, like I need to think about with him, how he moves between the kind of the speaking and the music, which is, you know, something different mm. for him. Um, and and what's happening with the show? Because it's going, it's yeah. touring, touring next year. Yes, 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 yes. So Final product. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, we are 
at the moment we're, we're, we're kind of setting to a date, so we're in process on that, but we're going to be showing it on May the 8th at um, Theatre Delhi in Sheffield. Um, so that's a definite one. Lovely. And we have three shows in Jersey, which is where I'm from and where Tom's from, Great. at the Opera House studio um, in July. So I don't think we've ever fe- featured Jersey, have no, we? No, Jersey's no. never been mentioned, so it's good, it's good <laughs> to have a hello to Jersey. Yeah. Come to Jersey. Um, <laughs> See some um, wonderful climate change. That's in July, just so. That's in July. Yeah. And um, hopefully it's going to be on in Manchester, probably in the autumn. Um, and we're just... Like I'm basically at the stage where I'm kind of like discussing and negotiating and trying to work out where it's best to take it and what's going to work and yeah. you know. Does it need to be in a theatre venue or can it be in a non-traditional theatre space? Um, I think just it, for the people listening at home. Any bookers? It can work in a non-traditional yeah. space. Yeah, totally. Definitely. Um, does it use all of the you know kind of typical theatre um, like you know the tech and you know is it got, is it got a lighting there, component or can it can it work without without um, all of that? It's very conversational, lighting, isn't yeah, it? It feels like a conversation with the audience. It. Yeah, um, if we haven't got lighting, then we won't. Yeah, um, like my attitude to lighting is yay theatrical lighting. That's going to look that's going to look you know um, and I like the heightening of it in a yeah. theatrical space. But if we are then in a gallery space. Like the lighting has to mean that people can see us and we can see them. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, so I'm a bit, I'm kind of flexible about that. That the one of the things we're looking at in the development stage is that if we are um, going to bigger venues, we're looking at having two versions of it. One which makes use of uh, um, video. So some of that kind of close-up, detailed work with drawing and with the little jars of the duckweed, yes. that that's going to be projected yeah, and that will integrate it would that in. From that, yeah. yeah, so because it, it like in a big space, it just won't work. You'll get lost. Yes, yeah. it's, it's too small. So we're thinking about different sizes of spaces and and what's going to work in different places. And also, the one of the things that's like hugely important to me is we're also developing public engagement and arts engagement workshops and activities around it. So we trialled a workshop um, when we did the work in progress, and what we're trying to do is is really set up um, events that um, lead up to the show um, when we're touring. So in Jersey, we're looking at doing workshops or connecting up with other groups on the island to have talks or water walks and and having a sense of there being a little bit of um, more of a kind of community connection around like the the issues relating to water in the area we go to not just coming in and going here's a nice show about our thoughts about water yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> although it is a nice show about our thoughts about water well, thank you <laughs> so how do people um stay in touch with you online yes so that they can follow you and come and see the show and get yes. more information as it emerges so we've got a facebook page water is attracted to water um and um you can follow us on that page um, and you can follow me on Twitter. Um, so um, I am at Kate Adams, the original at Kate Adams. That tells capital me. K, capital A. I don't know. Don't matter, it matters. But I suppose it's it does on some when you're does searching. It? Yeah, on does Twitter it? it still does. Yeah. Does it? I think so. Yeah. I've had things that haven't come up with that. Oh. 
I don't know then. <laughs> um, but you are the original Kate Adams. But I am the original Kate Adams. Um, so it's at the original Kate Adams at, or Jack? At Kate, Kate Adams. Adams right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm on Twitter and um, hashtag water is attracted to water, obviously. Um, yeah, so I'm on I'm the usual places Instagram at Kate, Rose, Instagram? at Kate Rose Adams. It's my middle name. Okay. Secrets out. It is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I've got a website as well, although I haven't updated my website, which is a bit embarrassing. So, uh, I need to get onto that. <laughs> All right, lovely. Thank you very much, Kate. Thank that's you. been really a really brilliant insight, and hopefully that's, that's given lots of people who may be thinking about working with um, material outside of fictional universes um, mm. some inspiration and some insight into your process. Thank you so much for having Thank me. You. It's been a real pleasure. Great. Thank, Thank you. you.